0: back. We'll be right back. struggling the council is conspiring the crowd is vilifying they don't even know that sunday's coming
1: it's friday the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd mary is crying peter is denying but they don't know that sunday is coming
2: it's friday Romans beat my Jesus, they robed him in scarlet, they crowned him with thorns, but they don't know that Sunday's coming.
0: It's Friday, see Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, his spirit burdened, but you see, it's only Friday, Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The soldiers kneel my Savior's hands to the cross. They kneel my Savior's feet to the cross, and then they raise him up next to criminals on crosses. It's Friday, but let me tell you something. Sunday's coming.
1: It's Friday. My Savior's forsaken by his Father, left alone and dying. Will nobody save him?
2: It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, and my king yields his spirit.
0: It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered. It's Friday, Jesus is buried soldiers stand guard a rock's rolled into place
2: but But it's Friday, it's It's only Friday, Sunday is coming. coming
0: dead he is alive and that is why we get to celebrate here this morning this isn't a funeral this is a celebration and we are thankful that we serve a king who has defeated death hey god you that are here this morning whether you are here or online we we thank you for the privilege of being able to celebrate this wonderful day with you um, there are a few announcements i encourage you to go uh, to the back. To our information area, uh, go onto the website to check them out. There is a men's retreat this weekend, so if you're interested in that, talk to one of our men and they can point you in the direction of, of where maybe they, you need to go for that. But how about you just uh, join with me and let's pray and uh, talk to God here for a moment. Dear Father, thank you so much that we serve a risen Savior, one that hears my voice right now and is not, he's, you're not deaf to this. You hear, you hear our voices lifted up to you. And Lord, I pray that our hearts, we put our hearts right before you. And we, we send these praise to you and thanks for what you have done. And Lord, we will continue to sing that here this morning and listen to our, even more than our voices, Lord, I pray that you listen to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Can everybody stand up, please?
1: Turn, say hi to one another, and tell each other that God loves you. I love seeing you guys greet one another, um, especially seeing you do it in love. Uh, just, cont- I encourage you to continue to sing out. Before we get into this next song, singing about our Jesus, just want to point out the different ways that we can honor God with our giving. And here, here at Southwoods, there's three different ways to do that. They might put it up there, but it's in person, online, or by mail. You know the drill. But let's honor him that way. I wanted to point that out for you.
0: lift it up to God. You can be seated. So this next song, we're going to sing one more song and then we're going to participate in communion. So if you need to go get, uh, we have some trays and stuff around and feel free if you need to go get uh, communion so you can join with us during this time. But communion was uh, kind of Taught to us or told to us by our Lord. It was called during the Last Supper. It's the Last Supper He had before He went to the cross. And when He took the bread and when He took the the, the wine, uh, what He said took place during this third cup during what's over. It was the Passover that they were participating in, and that's called the Cup of Redemption because of what Jesus did on the cross on Friday, like we were talking about earlier in that whole uh, spoken word thing that we did. It was Friday, and Jesus shed his blood for our redemption. But that's not the end of the story. We're not here this morning celebrating a death. We are thankful. That is Good Friday, but we are here celebrating a risen Savior. And after that cup, there's another cup. It's called the Cup of Praise. And that's what we get to celebrate here this morning is this cup of praise. And during that part of the Passover, they actually read uh, some songs of praise from Psalm 113 to 118, and it's called Hallel, which is what we get our word hallelujah from, because it literally means praise. And in that passage, one of the passages in 118, is where it says, this is the he is the the uh, the the cornerstone that the builders have rejected has become our capstone. That is Jesus. We get to praise here this morning because the grave is not the end. There is something beyond the grave because there is someone beyond the grave. Hallelujah. That also means that if you're feeling depressed right now there's something beyond that if you're feeling lost this morning if you're dealing with i can anything that you might be dealing with i can tell you right now there's hope beyond that because if death isn't the end then what you're dealing with is also not the end and our response is just like this fourth cup to say hallelujah praise the lord We're going to sing another song, and I encourage you to listen to the words and and to sing along with us um, as we praise our God.
3: Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Oh, I'll try that one more time. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. That's better, that's better. We're waking up. That's good, that's good. So uh, glad that you made it this morning. You know, years ago, when computers were first becoming mainstream among the general public, Here's what some of them like, or looked like back in that day. And some of you remember them. I mean, it's a lovely picture. Some of you are having flashbacks right now. Uh, they were bulky. They were boxy. They were slow. I mean, just painfully slow. Uh, no pictures. No pretty colors. One game, Pong. Some of you remember that. I mean, it's just it was just, they had floppy disks. Some of them were eight inches in size, square. And then some of them, they got to five and a quarter inches square, and they called them floppy disks because they were truly floppy. I mean, flimsy, if you remember correctly. I mean, in fact, they, I thought of them as flimsy disks, but some marketing group probably said that, don't call them that, don't call them that. Floppy disks, floppy is better, better. Some of you remember, though, other things related to this. One, in my opinion, the, the single most significant component to the computers of that day most of us are familiar with. The most famous one, in my opinion, is this. It was a little button. You remember it, some of you? It was a little button somewhere on the case of the computer, depending on your manufacturer. You put it different places. It was called the reset button. Do you remember that? Remember the reset button? Those of you who don't know, which is probably several of you, what happened is people loved the reset button because when things froze up and the keyboard no longer worked, what'd you do? You pushed the reset button. You the, it, was, it was your salvation. It was, it was the way you escaped from Stuckville, which was where you were, just sitting there. Well, uh, roll the clock forward a number of years. Who among us could have imagined back then that something as small as a little reset button would influence our culture and our world like it has? I mean, who could have imagined I mean, everything resets now. Have you noticed that? Everything resets nowadays. Passwords are reset, portfolios are reset, wardrobes are reset, diets are reset, companies are reset, marriages are reset, odometers are reset. They're not supposed to be, but they are. That's, you, you see, everything resets anymore. Everything resets. In fact, in recent years, there's even been talk among world leaders of a great reset. Have you ever heard that being talked about in in, uh, recent days? It would include a reset of the economy and currency and the climate, and there'd be a technology reset and a reset of governance to a more global level, and on and on the resets go. And the implications of all these components, all these smaller resets collected together, actually, if what they say comes to pass, if it's true, that would be pretty dramatic change for our culture, for our world. But this morning, I want you to think about this. As sweeping and as dramatic as those changes would be, it's important that you hear me this morning. They pale into insignificance when compared to the magnitude of God's great reset that began Nearly 2,000 years ago, the Great Reset is not a current thing. The Great Reset began 2,000 years ago. God, our loving Heavenly Father, began the Great Reset in a garden early on a Sunday morning after His one and only Son, who was sinless, Jesus, had spent three days and three nights in an undeserved, dark, and lifeless grave. Most of us know the story. But I'm convinced that many of us don't truly grasp the enormity, the importance, the enduring consequence of what God began that first Easter. And so my job this morning is to help all of us grasp that. I want to help all of us have a better understanding of the awe-inspiring scope of God's great reset that launched 2,000 years ago. I hope for the next few minutes you'll listen real close to me that maybe you'll take some notes on some of these passages of Scripture because what we're going to talk about has sweeping implications for every single one of you, every single one of us. This is a big, big deal. There is no bigger deal in our world, in our universe, than what God is doing in our world right now and from now to when Jesus comes. You know, the Bible reveals four immense transformational resets that together, together form God's great reset. And the first of these, first of these God's great reset is this. It's a relational reset. It's a relational reset. Ever since humanity's decision in the Garden of Eden to eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a spiritual relational reset has been needed. And since humans we the ones who transgressed. Only the offended party, God, could initiate the great reset. Only He could do it. So because of God's compassion and mercy, He sent His one and only Son, Jesus. He sent Him to absorb the consequences for our sins in His body. On the cross, that was what Friday was all about. That's what that's what Passover really was all about. Was setting the stage so we would understand what was going on. That Christ Jesus was the Passover Lamb, once for all time, sent into the world a substitute for every sins. The Bible describes what Jesus had to endure to reset our relationship with God in these words from Isaiah. Fifty-three. You might write that down. This is a a beautiful passage of Scripture worth remembering. Isaiah 53. I'm going to start with verse 3, and it says this. He was despised, describing Jesus. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, what's the text say? The sins of us all. The sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down, God says here, for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He'd never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made in an offering, For sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that's accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, hear this, because of his experience, God says, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins not that a beautiful passage? It's a beautiful passage. Here's the point. Here's the point as it applies to you and to me. God is not angry with you. I don't know how you think of him. A lot of things God feels toward you and toward me. One of them, not anger. Because God the Father intentionally poured out His anger on Jesus so His relationship with you and me could be reset, so it could start over, so it could begin anew. And Jesus, according to this passage and others, willingly endured that anguish. Why? Because it meant a second chance for you, for me. Is that not amazing? Friends, ever since Jesus' death, a relational spiritual reset has begun. And for nearly 2,000 years, it's been available to every single person who'll choose to follow and worship Jesus for what He selflessly did for them. We worship Him because He's King, yes. We worship Him because He died. He left a throne and died as a substitute for your sins and mine. He deserves all of our worship, all of our adoration, all of our praise. So will you embrace Jesus in faith today? Will you, you decide this Easter that you're going to look heavenward and you're going to cry out to God for mercy and grace? Because that's what he died 2,000 years ago to do, is make a, make a relational reset between you and a holy and righteous heavenly father possible. And it begins when we look heavenward and humble ourselves. There's a second transformational component to God's great reset. It's not just a relational reset. God's great reset is also a physical reset, a physical reset. What happened at Jesus' undeserved grave on Easter Sunday morning? What happened? He rose, right? He rose from the dead. He defeated death. The Holy Spirit prompted the great Apostle Paul, who was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ, to write these words for people like you and me who have never met Jesus face-to-face, who've never seen Him face-to-face. He writes these words in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and following. He says, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried, and He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter... Who betrayed him, remember? He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have have died, he said. Then he was seen by James. Why is James singled out? James is singled out because this is Jesus' brother. He was not one of the twelve. Because his brother didn't follow him as a disciple for a long time. Thought Jesus was crazy until he was raised from the dead. That tends to get your attention, right? Then he was seen by James and later by the other apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, Paul writes, I also saw him. I also saw him. You know, these words were written because Paul and the many other eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ wanted all of humanity to know, wanted us all to understand someone had finally defeated death. And that someone was none other than Jesus. It was Jesus. With Jesus' resurrection, a physical reset of the cycle of life and death that most people are familiar with. There was a physical reset of that cycle that was beginning, it began with Jesus. Life no longer was always going to end in death. Its unbeaten streak was over. And the apostles knew. They understood what sometimes we don't think about deeply, and that is that it's only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time until the third transformational component to God's great reset would be realized on planet Earth. Because Jesus had been resurrected. A third one was coming. A a third transformation. And and that's this. It's not just a physical reset. It's a global reset reset is in process. Do you hear what I said? A global reset is in process. God's physical reset is not just limited to Jesus. What Jesus experienced is going global. Global. Listen to what the Holy Spirit prompted the great apostle Paul to write in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 and following. He says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Now start thinking about what he's saying. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, he says, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. And just as everyone dies because all belong to Adam, notice what it says, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Be given new life. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. He was the first fruits. And then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. You understand the implications of what this passage is saying to us. You thought deeply about it. The scriptures are telling us that there's a massive worldwide tsunami of resurrections from the dead on our world's horizon. It's going to be unlike anything, anybody could imagine anything the world's ever seen. Every cemetery worldwide is going to have vacancies when Jesus comes back. Death and life for countless multitudes of people, past and present It's going to be reset. It's going to be completely reset in a moment. In a moment. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and following, Paul goes on and says this. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown, he writes. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, Paul concludes, this scripture will be fulfilled. And he quotes from the Old Testament and says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? At this point, Paul's mocking death. Do you get it? This is what's going on here. How can he do that? Because there's a transformational global reset that's already begun. And the staggering magnitude and global scope of God's great reset that's underway is stunning. It's stunning. It will revolutionize and change everyone and everything. You will never view the world the same when this day comes. Every living family on the planet is going to know somebody who rises from the dead. It's going to touch everyone. But that's not all. You know, as if that's not enough. I mean, that's staggering the implications of all that right there. But the Bible doesn't quit. Real quickly, all of us need to know that there's a fourth transformational component to God's great reset that's underway. It's in process. The fourth transformational component is this. It's going to be a sustainable reset. It's not just going to take place in a moment of time and that's, you know, it's over. No. This is going to be a sustainable reset. God's great reset is not temporary or fragile or corruptible. To the contrary, it's going to be everlasting, permanent, and eternal. God gave one of Jesus' apostles, John, a glimpse, a vision of what's coming, kind of a pre screening of what was going to take place. Here's how he described it in Revelation chapter 21, following. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, John writes coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. Let's pause right there. What is this? This is the completion of the relational reset, where God is now literally among his people. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. What's this pause right there? What's this? This is a physical reset that has gone now global. It's affecting everybody. He's going to wipe There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone how long forever the text says it's pretty sustainable and the one sitting on the throne said behold i'm making everything new and then he said to me write this down for what i tell you is trustworthy and true Friends, everything is going to be reset. Not just a few things, like everything. Our loving Heavenly Father is going to make everything new. And what's new is going to last forever. And let me just say, it just doesn't get any more sustainable than that. It just doesn't. It's going to last forever. So, friends, today is the day. Now is the time for you and me who understand from what Scripture says about this great reset. Now is the time for us to begin to align our lives with God's great reset. It's already in process. God wants all of us, all of us, to begin to align our lives to prepare ourselves for what is inevitable. What's inevitable? is that there's going to be a relational reset that has physical implications, and it's global in nature, and it's going to last forever. It's going to be sustainable. And it's just time to put your faith in God and say, Lord, here I am. I can't even hardly comprehend the magnitude, the scope of what you're doing. But here I am. I humble myself before you. You even pray this with me as I'm talking about it. Just, Lord Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, make me yours. I acknowledge you're God, and I'm not. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Would you fill me with your spirit? I'm choosing you today just like you chose me 2,000 years ago. Before I was in my mother's womb, you chose me. Here I am. Have you prepared your body, soul, and spirit for the great reset in that way? Kind of a silly way to say it, but friends, God wants us to become preppers when it comes to this stuff. His great longing is that you and I will humble ourselves like that. Maybe some of us need to not just invite Jesus into our lives, maybe we need to decide this time to be baptized as Scripture teaches, as Jesus instructed in Matthew 28. You realize when you go under the water in baptism, you know what you're identifying yourself with? When you go under the water, you're identifying yourself with the death, the burial of Jesus. Let me just tell you, when it comes to the great reset of God, you want to be associated with those things. Because who gets new life? Everybody who's connected to Jesus. That's who gets life. You want to be identified with his death, burial, and resurrection because that's the forgiveness of your sins. And when you identify with him as you come up out of the water, you're identifying with his resurrection. It's like Easter Sunday. Your body, soul, and spirit where you're no longer dead but you're alive because the spirit of the living God takes residence in your soul, Acts 2 tells us. It begins to indwell you and mold and shape you over time more fully into the image of Christ. Have you been baptized? You want to identify yourself with the resurrection of Jesus. You just do. And every one of us, On a day like today, we need to pause and thank our Heavenly Father that He's not in a marketing hype. He has a truly great reset already underway. It started 2,000 years ago, early on a Sunday morning, after His one and only sinless Son, Jesus, rose rose from a dark, lifeless grave to live forevermore. He will never die, and all who put their faith in him will never die either. And the mind years ago used to say, Forever's a long time. You want to get your life right with God. And Would you look heavenward and invite him in today? I'm going to ask you, if you would, just bow your heads with me. We're going to pray, and then uh, right afterwards, our worship team is going to lead us in one more song. And uh, just put your heart into the song. I think you'll love it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every person in this place within the sound of my voice. I thank you for their faith enough to come to a place like this today. Would you honor them for that? Bless them. Bless those who are listening online. Bless them, Father. Would you speak to us? Would you forgive us of our many sins and our many shortcomings? And on some level, we know you really already have. That was what Jesus' death was all about. But we just acknowledge before you that we are sinners. We're, we've fallen short of your expectations, our expectations most of the time. We're in desperate need of the cleansing, the filling that can only be come from you. Would you reset our souls, reset our relationship with you, that one day we might enjoy a reset of our bodies, a reset that will never, ever pass away because it's sustainable. It's guaranteed by you, the trustworthy and true one. Lord, we thank you for your grace. I thank you for what you've done. We honor you, honor you for your power, your mercy, your kindness. And now we celebrate you in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Join us.
0: We're not here celebrating a funeral today, are we? We're celebrating a resurrection. So let's have a little party. Everybody stand up. We're going to have some fun we A celebration right there. Tell you what, let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much that we are here for a celebration. And Lord, let this be more than mere words or one day in our lives. Let this be something that we live out every moment because there is no greater news than that there is something beyond the grave. And you have provided the way for that. Let us be bold as we share that news with everyone in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, before I let you go, I just want to say if there's anything we can be praying for you, we'd love to pray for you. So come on, come on forward and I me or Greg or anybody else would love to pray with you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.